0: Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences.
1: Don't fuck with cats.
2: Okay, you guys told me to watch it, and I was so they all off started it for ages because yeah. I didn't want to see any animals get hurt. Yeah, and then you had to really convince me that that I wouldn't see anything. Yeah, and it was it blew my mind. Oh, I've been yes. recommending
1: it to everyone that will listen to me. It is it is so intense. It yes, is
0: so good. Okay,
1: so did I can't? It's very difficult for me to work out what we've said in group <laughs> chats, in text messages, and what we've said in the podcast. Yep. Did we discuss this on the podcast? Never. Or? No. No. Okay, so there is a show on Netflix called Don't Fuck With Cats and I didn't get the proper warnings before I watched it, which is why when I was telling Dee, Dee and Curse to watch it, I was giving out proper warnings. So yeah. I'm going to do okay. this now Okay. and I'll give you a short version of what it is and you should watch it. If you're listening to this podcast, I feel like you should watch yeah. it. Okay, so it is a real-life story about a guy who was posting – cat torture videos online this is where i come in and say don't be stressed you do not they do not play the cat torture videos in their entirety so you see mm. you do see a little bit of cute cat that's about to be killed but you don't see the killing
0: right yeah i know
1: yep have you watched it didi yes i have
0: okay there was more there than i would have liked i know mm. what you're saying you're not seeing the full graphic thing. no there's there's more than a hint there, yes. I think.
1: So it's pretty much about this video that goes up online, and I don't want to give away the the, the punchline. Video goes up. Why is my voice still doing this?
0: <laughs> no, what is that? <clears throat>
1: it's like a frog in my throat. Ooh. I'm not sick. It's just. <clears throat> you need a Sorry. Or something? I don't know. No. Um, so this video goes up online. Everyone's outraged about it. Like we all are outraged about shit that goes up online. Ooh. And then we go. And we walk away and we get outraged about something else. And Mm. then no one cares about the original outrage. But there was this group of internet warriors who just like took it on. They made this cool little closed Facebook group and they are like, we're going to work out who this fucker is. Mm. And I don't want to go into it any more than that. But his, you know what they say about people that kill small animals?
0: Oh yes, yeah. there was. It progresses, it, it gets, yes, yeah.
1: and so it does progress throughout the documentary. But I found it quite
0: amazing. Oh, incredible! Yeah. And it sounded familiar to me. Do you, you? You hate when I mention other podcasts, don't you? No, I'm fine with it. Oh, because when you watch it, and I don't want to give too much away for anyone who hasn't watched it, I don't want to give away the name of the person. No, in that's it. why I didn't say it yeah. When you know his name, and maybe after you've watched the documentary, um, there's the Sword and Scale podcast. Mm-hmm quite a way back they covered his story so look okay. that up and um we're up on the seventh floor of a building and i've just seen a red balloon or something float past the window so that's it was terrifying. just through me for a second there it. yeah that's terrifying it was just weird it, i wasn't expecting it i'm gonna, I'm gonna go over to look out the window is it there i don't know where it went
2: Strangely. strange. Like, we usually see yeah. window cleaners and stuff, but not a yeah. balloon.
0: Yeah, no, it was flying through the air and I wasn't
1: expecting a red balloon I like get so past. excited when I see the window cleaners. Mm. Do you? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's not a Coke commercial. I know, I don't know. They're No, and they're never. But sometimes like, I like to knock on the <laughs> wave, window and wave, wave and they must be like, oh, another fucking idiot inside has seen us. I yeah, get like hey that mate. when there's
0: a bird on the windowsill up here. Like when you're on the seventh floor and a bird is sitting outside the window. Oh, it's like, oh, we're, look, I'm on your level.
2: Yeah. What about trucks? Like when you pass a truck and you <laughs> tell them to like honk, you like pull oh, up the air? Like yes. You, they, that must get so annoying.
0: Nico
1: always yes. gives kids. I do that all the time. Nico gives kids the finger when they like. Oh, if it, they? Yeah, <gasps> if they try to like make us beep or something, like you know, kids in the back seat of a van.
0: Yeah.
1: And if they go, oh, I'm gonna beep your horn, Nico. I go, don't do it, don't do it. And he just goes, man, sticks his finger up every time.
0: <laughs> Did <laughs> you ever, when you're a kid on a school excursion, go to the back? Like you always wanted to be in the back seat of the bus. Yes. That was the cool spot. But then you'd like turn around and wave to the driver behind, but then it all just goes pear-shaped because once you've waved and then they're stuck in traffic behind you. It's so awkward. And Uh, if they wave back, it's like, great, but then you're stuck and what do you do then? Just avoid eye
1: contact. Who's going first today? Well, I'm going to go first because my story comes off Don't
0: Fuck With Cats. Yes. Oh,
1: okay. (laughs) Okay. So uh, pretty much all the info I got for this story came from an article that was uh, written in the Washington Post and the article basically is a research topic and the research, sorry, the article came from a research paper mm-hmm. and that research paper is called The Scavenging Patterns of Feral Cats on Human Remains in an Outdoor Setting. Whoa. So basically, and I'm going to give credit to the people that wrote wrote to the paper, S. Garcia, A. Smith, C. I think it's Baynet and M. Connor. They were researchers at an animal uh, body farm. Mm -hmm. We've spoken about body farms before where you donate your body to science and they place them in all these different weird, like on a tin roof, on the ground, in a tree, Mm -hmm. to see how your bodies decompose. This body farm uh, was at the Colorado Mesa University's Forensic Investigation Research Station. That is what they call the body farm. And so it's an outdoor facility and... Because of that, it's fenced obviously, but animals can get in and out. They, you know, slither in, they've had snakes come in, they've had prairie dogs come in, but all of the animals that have come through ignored the dead bodies, so it was never an issue. Except there are a lot of feral cats in the area. I, hate cats. I know, do you?
0: I'm not a cat person. Mm-hmm.
1: There's a lot of feral cats in the area, and These researchers said they were shocked when they realised that one day one of the feral cats had slipped in and started eating a body.
0: Oh, Mm -hmm. I can picture it and I wish I couldn't.
1: Yep. So I feel like this research paper came up just by chance. They've just realised that these cats are doing it. So a few months later, they realised a second cat, had come into the body farm and it too was eating a body.
0: No, hang on. People donate their bodies to I science. Know. They don't want to be eaten by cats. I know.
1: And I, I need to make that clear that, yes, these people had donated their their bodies to science. So yeah. what it is is what it is. But then I
0: suppose if it's happening there, because that, that, they use the body farm to work out what's going to happen. So if it was in yeah. a natural setting, yeah. it's still relevant, I guess, yeah. to the research. Stop playing with the microphone. Oh, well, I
1: thought it was going to make a noise, so I stopped talking while I moved it. Okay, so both cats ate all the way to the bone.
0: What part of the body did they go oh, to? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Tuck shop arms. Oh, <laughs> really?
1: Yeah. these because what's to them, this that's like called? a big, bingo wing. Yeah, bingo wings. Yeah,
0: because if <laughs> you're a cat, like that looks like a leg of lamb. That's to to the size of their head. That's An arm is like a leg of lamb, is People in other countries
2: it?
1: aren't going to know what bingo wings.
0: It's
2: like opposite to your bicep, like
0: oh the, the flabby, flabby underneath. The flabby bit thing.
1: under your arm. Look what happens
0: when you get to yeah. It Just hangs. That's there like the bit. Fash.
1: That's so both cats had a like, took a liking to that oh. area. Yeah, I
0: get it. There's no yep. bone there, only in the middle. But. So
1: both ate all the way to the bone, and oh. both times the bodies were either at the very start of decomposing or at the end.
0: Right. Oh, yeah, Yeah. I
1: know. So beef jerky. I also found this really interesting in the body farm itself. There are around 40 bodies. Each cat only returned to the body. It had originally gone to. Oh, so they chose a body and stuck with it. One cat (gasps) continued to come back for 35 nights in a row.
0: Oh, Nibble, nibble, nibble.
1: The cat was oh. literally sustaining itself off oh.
0: the
2: dead body. They can't oh. do anything about that cat. They? they can't shoo the cat away. No, have to just leave it. And so let they it happen. Just,
1: they just turned it into a re- into research.
0: And then will the cat like turn into a human? No, because it's. Well, no. hang on, think about it. It's like sustained everything but that's in it is.
2: In thirty-five nights, how much of the human is left?
1: I don't case. know. Like how far yeah. did the cat get? Yeah. I don't know. But this is obviously goes into people that are like, if I die in my apartment and no one finds oh, me, will my cat eat me? Yes. But it's likely. It will. Yeah, it's likely. So, uh, Mikel Delgado, a cat behavior researcher at the University of California, um, he said that, um, or she said, sorry. She wasn't surprised by this particular cat behaviour. She used to work at an animal shelter and she said, we had a cat that came in when her owner had died and the report said that she'd eaten her owner's nose.
0: That's I find that strange. That's an odd part because it's got cartilage and stuff in. You wouldn't go for the nose, would you?
1: Well, they say that they were most shocked about it because cats in the wild or feral cats are hunters.
0: Mm. Right. And
1: so they these cats had changed their behaviour. They weren't hunting. They were just
0: scavenging. It was like a buffet had been laid yeah. out for them. Yeah.
1: But I found it interesting mm. that they only went back to the same body they'd eaten previously.
0: And I can't, And if they weren't going to eat that part of the body, I can't think where they would go because the thigh would be too big, like I couldn't mm. get a good bite on it. Yeah. Maybe the calf.
1: Maybe, depending <laughs> but, on how you were positioned. And that's
0: quite muscly. Your butt? Yeah. I suppose. But again, it's like a big expanse of skin. It would be too daunting for I had cat. to say
1: butt the other day on the news and I didn't know how to write it in my <laughs> Why script. Why did you have to say that? Someone had been stabbed in the butt.
0: Oh, okay. And I
1: didn't know it was relevant to the story and I was like, I just wrote buttocks. And yes, then I think I, buttocks, We yeah. obviously get our scripts checked and when we got to that part, there was such a conversation in the newsroom about how we were going to say <laughs> this and I thought, this is the shit that only gets said to me. Like We're like, is it? In the behind, in the buttocks. And then even when I went to voice my script, I could not say buttocks. Buttocks.
0: buttocks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stabbed in the buttocks. How do you? You know? It so was, what did you say? I said buttocks. Yeah,
0: yeah I think you have to. Yeah. That's what Forrest Gump said. To me in the buttocks. Yeah. Yeah. In the Yeah, you have to say buttocks. I
1: thought you could have said stabbed in the behind. But then is that no. too, is that too, is it not proper
0: glutes? Glutes footballers say buttocks, don't yeah, they? they? When do. they have a bum injury, not an, that an that niggle. happens much. But mm. Mm.
1: anyway, that's my that's cats will eat you. But go and watch Don't Fuck with Cats.
0: But just it's be, so good. Yeah, it's really, really good. good, really good. What have you got? I have got okay. So this is a story that was actually featured on the ABC's Australian Story back in November, mm-hmm. but I got most of the information from the New South Wales Coroner's Report. So.
1: Oh, I love looking at coroner's reports. Oh, so good. Yeah.
0: They've got so much information. Like, they put everything in there. Oh, and they're just
1: online. So you can just go and peruse through coroner's reports. I know. I find
0: myself – a lot of them are drug deaths, though, which I find a bit like – I
1: know. I know. Uh,
0: This goes back to 1987, 27th of October. So we are in southern New South Wales, about 50 kilometres from Wagga Wagga, and it's about mm. 7 o'clock in the morning. There's a man by the name of Robert House who's driving along in Holden Commodore, as you do in Australia. Yep. He's on the Hume Highway at near Tarkata. Um, in the front passenger seat next to Robert is a man named Hans Tangen, and in the back seat is a man called Marco Iliadi, and a young lady – uh, I won't give you her name just yet. And those two are lying down in the back. I'm not sure whether they were asleep or whether okay. they were up to something. But anyway, they're in the back seat lying down. So this car travels along just a kilometre, just over a kilometre south of Kilgawa Creek. The Commodore veers onto the wrong side of the road and there's a semi-trailer coming the opposite way, smashes into it. The girl who was in the back seat is thrown about four metres from the car. Mm. And she appears to be dead Right. The driver of the car And the two men were trapped inside And they've got various injuries So all four of them are taken to hospital One of the men Told police that the girl's name was Jessie or Jessica But at 9.50am So this is two, 2 hours and 50 minutes After the accident Jessica was pronounced dead On her left palm Was the name Sue Latham Had been written in pen So Jessica's death was reported To the coroner at Wagga Wagga And they did a post-mortem And they noted that she had a tattoo Above her left breast Of a colourful bird She died of cerebral Contusions and lacerations Due to a head injury She had a ruptured aorta So that's Mm. above your heart isn't it Yeah, And a ruptured liver and several Other injuries Wow Wear a seatbelt. I know. I mean, gosh. So the officer in in charge of the investigation, Sergeant Lindsay Beecroft, tried to find out more about Jessica and tracked down a person named Genera Michaels, who was in King's Cross. So this Genera Michaels was taken to the morgue and was shown the body of Jessica Pierce and... She said that she had known her for about three and a half years, that Jessica was around about 25 and a half years old, and that she was a dancer. And Janera said that she had first met Jessica a years earlier, about three years earlier, in New Zealand, and then had run into her again in King's Cross in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And she said that Jessica had been working as a sex worker. Okay. And this generic girl said that Jessica had told her that she was going to Melbourne with three men, so that's obviously what she was doing in the car, uh, that she had divorced her ex-husband a year earlier, that she had a five-year-old son with him and had recently been granted custody. So I think either the ex-husband was in Melbourne or she told her that the kid was there and she was going down to that. And I hate calling children kids. comes back from my very early radio training. I was told, do not call children kids. kids. They are children. A woman by the name of Sergeant Amy Scott, who's a bit of a hero actually, tried to find Jessica's son, but there was no record of a birth between 1980 and 1987, so if he was five years old, uh, to a person named Jessica Pierce. Uh, Nor was there any records of a custody dispute with her ex-husband. So they checked with authorities in New Zealand, but they had nobody missing who matched Jessica the description of the girl who they found in the car. This Sergeant Amy Scott got the names of all the females matching Jessica's description who had been reported missing around 1987. There were 94 of them Mm. and none of them matched the details of Jessica's case. So it seemed pretty sure at this stage that Jessica Pierce was not her real name but they didn't know who she was.
1: What's happened to Sue Latham?
0: Don't know about that on the hand. Um, so, this body, the girl from the accident, who they believe is Jessica Pierce, but that's probably not her name, she was buried along with about a thousand other destitute burials at Emu Plains. So, in 1987, this is similar to one I did a little while ago. What did you have a thought?
1: So, she's been flung out of this car. Yeah. yeah. Who owns
0: the car? The guy that was driving, Robert House. Is he dead? No, he's still alive.
1: What's he saying?
0: We'll get to him in a second. Okay. Okay. Good Good detective work, Chanel. Sorry. Just need to fill you in on something that happened. At around the same time this crash happened, a 17-year-old girl named Ursula Barwick who came from Quirindy, in New South Wales Northwest boarded a train from Tuggara Station to Sydney because she wanted to find some work and some new friends in the city. And that was the last her family saw of her. And they got very concerned and they reported her missing because she was very close with the family and she made no more contact. They checked, police checked reports that she had been seen in King's Cross, but for her family, everything ended there. For 30 years, they didn't know what had happened to Ursula. Wow. They thought she may have been murdered or something because they knew that if she had been alive, she would have come home to see them. They knew her that sure. well. Ursula's cousin, Melissa Pulio, I hope I've pronounced that correctly, wrote a book about her disappearance called Write About Me. And in it, she referred to a letter that Ursula had sent to a school friend in which she wrote that she liked the name Jessica. So years, years later, 2010, So this is 23 years after the accident Mm -hmm. and 23 years after Ursula left home. A senior constable by the name of Adam Marsh, again, what a hero, was looking at the records on the death of this woman, Jessica Pierce. And he noticed that a few things matched up with the disappearance of Ursula, so he tracked down the three men from the accident. Wow! So Robert House, who had been driving, see, he he said that he'd only known Jessica for one or two days before the crash, so he couldn't fill in any sure, more. Sure, I can understand that. Yep. But uh, the detective took six photos with him. Did I just give him a? He's a constable, senior constable. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took some photographs with him, six photos. Three of them were of Ursula and three of other similar-looking girls. Mm-hmm. And this Robert House, who'd been driving that car, he positively positively identified one of the photos. Um, he said that mm. is the girl that was in the car, mm-hmm. who he believed was Jessica, but it was a picture of Ursula. Oh, smart. Then another one of the men, Hans Tangen... He said he was the one that was in the passenger seat. He also said he had only met this Jessica just before the crash. He didn't know her last name. He was also shown five photos and two of them he picked out as being Uh, Ursula or who he thought was Jessica. Marco Iliardi, the guy who had been in the back seat with her, he Mm. um, suffered quite bad injuries in the accident so he was unable to remember the crash but even he was able to point to a picture of Ursula saying that that's Jessica there. So what they needed now was her body to check further but the funeral home which had buried her had closed down and its records were incomplete so they couldn't identify the exact plot where she had been buried with all the destitute burials. Mm. They used a ground-penetrating radar to try and find her but they still couldn't work out precisely where she was so they couldn't exhume the body without possibly desecrating other burial sites. In July 2016... Professor Christopher Griffiths, a specialist in forensic odontology, which is the teeth business, looked at a number of photographs of Jessica and Ursula and noted that there were similarities between the shape of the anterior maxillary teeth. I'm not sure what that is. Is that the biters? I don't know. Uh, Maybe. And the front teeth, the position of the upper central incisors, so that would be your front teeth. Um, And they also had similar length teeth and the same chipped edges. This is Ursula and Jessica. So he was able to conclude that there was enough similarity between them, but he did say this is not a positive identification, but they're incredibly similar. So in 2018, an inquest was held before the New South Wales Deputy State Coroner, Derek Lee. It had been 31 years since Ursula was last seen by her family. There had been no contact from Ursula all of that time despite the fact that she'd been very close with her family and would always come home to them. So the coroner said that it was most unlikely that Ursula would not have made contact with her family. So he said it was also unlikely that she would have had the life experience to have... So say she did just disappear Mm -hmm. and assume a new identity or something. She didn't have enough life experience or ability to have lived all of those 31 years without at least popping up somewhere on some other record, Sure, whether it be with a you know, a welfare agency or a doctor or someone somewhere. So he concluded that, therefore, it was very unlikely that she was alive. So the deputy coroner reached the conclusion that Ursula was dead and that the body known as Jessica Pierce was, in fact, Ursula Barwick. Isn't that amazing? I mean, the work done by the police in this particular case. And so that Sergeant Amy Scott and Detective Sergeant Kurt Hayward, who I didn't mention in there, but he also did a lot of work on it, their work was recognised and acknowledged by the um, New South Wales Police Force. And also, I reckon, Senior Constable Adam Marsh, who went over that case the first time in 2010, did really well. And again, I've got to stop leaving the sad postscript till the very end, but this is the sad postscript. Mm -hmm. Ursula's mother, Cherie. Mm died 14 years before the oh. coroner gave that finding so she died never knowing, knowing what had happened to her daughter yeah but I mean I believe you get reunited
1: yes I was about to say that she would have found out yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Mm. amazing huh so
1: amazing yeah
0: I just think we're going to get more and more stories like that as I DNA agree. and things yep. have progressed and even really they...
1: hard working cops that have to put yeah. all that together mm.
0: although actually they didn't use DNA in that case mm. just because good they old couldn't fashion... the police work yeah good on them should we do some feedback? Sure. Okay. Do you want to go first while I have a drink of water? Okay. I don't mind. You do what you want. You okay. decide. Um, Jen sent us a story that she
1: spotted on the Irish news website, RTE, about an Irish man named Connor. Of course his name is Connor. Yeah. Connor Woolley was just 24 when he vanished in Dublin in August of 1983. Mm-hmm. One of uh, a family of seven. Why are you not using an accent? I don't know. It's Irish. I can't think of. Connor Woolley. Connor Woolley.
0: He's disappeared. He
1: was just one of a family of seven, originally from Greystones County, Wicklow. Oh, God. Oh, dear. Connor had been living <laughs> it's in... It's not
0: good, is it? No. 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 Sorry.
1: In Rathmines at the time of his disappearance. It was publicity about a previously solved case that led to his body finally being found. Mm. His mother was watching RTE's crime call two years ago and saw an appeal being made by police for the families of all long-term missing people to give DNA samples. I'm just talking about DNA, uh, which could then be compared with unidentified bodies in Ireland and Britain and overseas. Mm-hmm. It's just a general call out. Yeah. The use of DNA technology has solved two other missing person cases, Pauline Finlay and Joseph Brendan Dowley. Pauline was last seen alive walking her dogs on a county Wexford beach in 1994. More than two decades later, her body was found uh, and identified in a Welsh cemetery. Oh, gosh. Is this all just through random people handing in their DNA? Pauline's body had travelled 136 kilometres from the Wexford coast to where it was found on the North Welsh coast late in 1994. So she went
0: in the water? Yeah.
1: Joseph Brenton Dowley, 63, was last seen getting on a bus in Kilkenny in October 1985. He was going to take uh, the Dublin ferry to Wales, but his body washed up on a beach in Wales a month after he disappeared. And he was buried in Anglesey. His body was finally identified in 2018 recently, 33 years after his disappearance. Amazingly, by coincidence, the body of Connor Woolley was buried in the same cemetery. An unidentified body had been found washed up on a beach uh, in Ross on a Saturday morning on October 1983. At that time and in an era before DNA profiles could be extracted from bodies, All Welsh police had to go on was dental records. The body was exhumed in 2013, so a DNA profile could be extracted. At that stage, they suspected that it was the body of uh, of a missing Norwegian sailor, but in early December 2019 came the news that it was Connor Woolley. Sadly, Connor's dad died in 2015, still wondering what happened to
0: Connor. Oh, dear.
1: Yeah, I know. That's
0: sad.
1: Isn't that amazing, though? Just put the call out for DNA yeah. samples.
0: Well, if you had a missing person in your You'd family, you would yeah. do it. yeah. Totally. Yeah.
1: You want to do hmm. a feedback?
0: Oh, I wouldn't mind. Okay. Wouldn't mind. Thanks for the offer.
1: That's from the last one, so don't read that one. Don't
0: read that bit at the top there. No. Cross it out. There it is. Uh, here is – oh. This is from someone with letters after their name, so I feel quite <gasps> – This is from Dr. – Nadine Hamilton, CEO, psychologist and leading authority on veterinary well-being. Oh. Oh, I know who she is. She's the founder of Love Your Pet, Love Your Vet. .com.au. Remember we talked about that? Because there's this incredibly high rate of suicide amongst yes. Um, vets. vets. Yes, vets. Because people be mean to them and say, why are you charging so much if you love animals so much? Why yeah, are you charging me for just, this? They
1: have to, mm. And they have to
0: deal with the death of pets all the time? Yes. Episode 77, go back. You'll hear us talk about it. Okay. Oh, Dr. Nadine Hamilton says, hi, Charnel and Dee. One of our followers let me know there was a mention about us in your latest podcast. Yes, there was. Which I've just listened to. Mm. I want. I always worry. I'm in trouble. I
1: know. Is it good or bad?
0: I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for mentioning us and briefly talking about the high rate of suicide in the veterinary veterinary profession. Sorry. Thanks so much for helping to raise awareness. It is much appreciated. Kind regards, Nadine. Our pleasure. Oh,
1: it's nice things. But it's it's, it's really difficult. Like I think the human reaction to animals dying is much stronger than humans dying. Mm. I'm just going to say it. I keep talking about the bushfires, but look at the bushfires and the reaction we had globally when we heard one billion animals were lost. Yeah. And I reckon that fact alone, not the humans that died, the fact of the animals mm. alone is yeah. what got so many dollars in donations from all around the world. And I know that's really, you know, people like a human life is worth more, blah, 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 but mm. it does really resonate with people, yeah. animals. Yep. Okay, I'll tell you a story about Nicholas. <laughs> Okay, (laughs) segue. I come home this morning. Yes. From the gym. Yes. And he says, I've got something to tell you. He goes, I left the garage door open and I left the house door to the garage door open. Yeah. And Bruce ran. (gasps) Oh my God. And I was like,
0: What? Where was Bruce while he was telling you this? In the backyard. Oh, thank God.
1: That (sighs) idiot left the door open and the Bruce bolted a break How it. do they know? And and how do they know the they gate's know. open? They know. They can smell freedom. They yeah, know. Can. Harvey doesn't. Born
0: does free. He knows. And he's an old dog. He can hardly walk. And somehow he knows. And he what is, what's kno- out there that he wants? I know he, what it is. I think a cat shit's over the road.
1: Oh, he just wanted freedom. So then Nicholas has bolted after him. Oh, no. He thinks this is a fantastic Again. game. He's run across the road. And God bless him, Nicholas used his noggin (laughs) and he thought, I'm going to run back up the driveway and you're going to chase me. So he went, come on, Bruce, ran up the driveway. And Bruce goes, yeah, I'll chase you. And he ran. And then Nicholas was worried about the other dog, Barry, because he's thinking Barry's still going to get out. But I think I've mentioned before, Barry's a bit dumb. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Barry, instead of running through the open Does door Barry through the garage. Because <laughs> I didn't want him to hear just that. just feel bad saying it. Yeah. He was standing at the locked front door, looking through the window. Oh, so going, the what's going on? Everyone's outside. Why, I? I, why can't I get out oh. there? And Nicholas, anyway, so Bruce has run up to the front door. To say hi to Barry, who's dumb and is still inside, yeah. and Nicholas has scooped him up.
0: Oh, thank goodness! And Nico said
1: to me, "I didn't know if I should tell you or not," and I said, "I'm glad you told me."
0: I'm glad he confessed. Yeah, he confessed. Aaron yeah. yeah. tries to hide if he does anything bad. Like- oh. You know, if Harvey's shed on his bed or yes. something because Kieran didn't take him outside. Well, how is your job going? <laughs> um, he's hanging in there. He's, he doesn't. His poor back legs don't work very well, but okay. I've got this beautiful vet who comes and yes. does treatments on him. So he's hanging in there, yep. but he's got this weird thing going on. where. So he had a, like a little i forgot what it's called. It's like a vertigo that pets get and there was one day he was really sideways. That Aww. was when I think I yes, was like making tearful calls to you. We thought yes. he was about to die, but then he wasn't. But it's some like a vertigo thing, but he hasn't quite recovered. So one eyelid is like yeah. drooping underneath Aww. or under the eye. So it okay. looks, looks like he's sad, but it's he's not, there's only stroky. one. And, yeah, I rang the vets and said, can you – and they said it might be like a Bell's palsy thing because he might okay. have had a little stroke and – so he's a bit deaf and he's a bit blind, and but he's happy. Mm. He just wants to sit with me. Well, people should missing. write to us
1: about their dog stories. Like, has your dog passed away and you're really sad? I like those stories. I like Do you to think? hear about. Yeah, makes
0: me sad. Makes me I sad. know,
1: but I like to hear about how much people love their pets. Okay. I want dog photos. Oh, I think I mean. if you're we are going to send a yeah. story yeah. about your dog, we need the photo. That's right. Don't Otherwise, send anything without a photo.
0: We don't care. So <laughs> no, you can either. We'll
1: ignore it if there's yeah. not a photo. <laughs>
0: Send them up via Facebook or you can email them to us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. Dead Bodies is created by DD Dunleavy and Chanel Vella, and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.